privilege and an honor to to bring the word. You know, um, I never I never take it lightly, and um, I always make sure that I pray and, and really try to hear God for what He wants to speak. And the amazing thing to me, though, is I could not have orchestrated a better matched what I feel like God put on my heart tonight, or could not have orchestrated in my own strength even even what Carlton had to share. Um, because what, part of what I want to share tonight just goes right along with those with those um, with what they shared, and and so just uh, look forward to that. I want to start tonight by asking you a very simple three word question, and I want to I want to take this three word question. I want to plant down into the fertile soil of your mind, your heart, and your spirit. So everybody, make sure you're fertile and ask God to come and say, hey, Lord, just make my heart good ground tonight. But I want to I plant this three-word question down inside of you. And then we're, I want to go through the entire message. And then I want to come back to this one simple three-word question. And it's simply this. The question is simply this. Is this working? Oh, there it goes. What is it? What is it? It's a simple question. You can steal that away. Alrighty. Like I said, I want to return to that question at the end of the message. And if we go to where I believe God wants to wants to lead tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the time we get to the end, that simple question is going to germinate and lead us to a crossroads of decision. You guys ready to take a little journey here? Anybody ready? Okay, let's do this then. Let's all bow our heads and actually, no, let's all keep our eyes open because we're, we're going the Celtic way now. So keep your eyes open and let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place right now. Come and watch over our hearts, our minds, our, our thoughts. And God, I ask you to do that which I cannot do tonight. I ask you to come and move in the hearts of men and women Lord, let your word come and be planted in fertile soil. And Lord, take us to a deeper place in you. Lord, even as we've sang tonight, that we would fall in love with you, that we would realize the love you have for us, and God, we would go to a deeper place and ask for it right in this name. Amen. Wow, I, I did something I haven't done on, on a prayer stage and a stage in a long time. That's pray with my eyes open. That's awesome. I'm getting it. All right. So... I want to start off with the scripture right here. John 8.32 says this, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I want to say something right now, and that is that truth and love are not opposite and equally different ideas. They actually flow together. Um, sometimes we look at those as two different things. We look at love and truth, especially in the Christian world. We, we look at those as opposite ideas. But one of the greatest pursuits that we have in life is this. Is, is the attempt to get to the core of an issue, to find the root of a cause, to travel past symptoms and find the actual origin of a problem. How many of you are, how many of you are parents in here? How many of you have more than one child? Okay, if you don't have more than one child, you'll get there. It, part of the job of a, of a, uh, of a parent is, is the of interrogation, because anytime something has happened in the house and something's gone wrong, there's absolutely nobody that's done it, or at least nobody that wants to take responsibility for it. So part of your job is to find the truth and set the non 
be party free. Because I don't know about you, but in my house, when I was growing up, if, if something went wrong in the house and somebody had done something, if somebody didn't step to the plate and confess and say what they did and what took place, then we were all getting punished. Anybody else live, live under a regime as, such as that? I lived under that regime, man. It was, <laughs> I was a fucking man. We worked our tail off. And let me tell you what, if, if something went wrong, uh, it was, if you didn't point your finger and say, somebody better give it up. And if you knew the guilty party, I mean, I can remember times in the lineup with my cousins, man, they're looking for, okay, somebody went over there and left the tractor tractor running and it just ran into the barn. True story, actually happened. And so I'm looking at my cousin because I know which cousin did it. And I'm sitting there going like this. So we're, we're in the lineup like this. And I'm going like this. I'm, I'm pointing. And I, guys, dude, he's... So, because I, I knew it was about to happen, my uh, my father, my uncles, they all gave us like a, um, you know, they all they all gave us a the the full punishment, no matter who did it. So, but like I said, we're all on this pursuit to find the core, of the answer. As a parent, like I said, we're trying to find truth. People are trying to find truth. I meet people all the time in my workplace, in it, no matter where I go, people are looking for the core of their existence. And it, what, what it just gets me thinking all the time is it doesn't matter if people are in the world or they are people of faith. Everyone I meet is still trying to figure out the core of their existence. Now, I've been told in life, I've heard somebody say one time that there's two kinds of people. There's people that like artichokes and there's people who don't. How many people like artichokes here? Yeah! Rob? If you, if you raised your hand, I was going to throw it. Do you like artichokes? I was going to say, man, I've, I've never seen you eat a green thing in my life. You know, so, <laughs> except on St. Patrick's Day, they painted that steak. So I was like, here, here you go. So there's people who like artichokes and people who don't. Now, some of you will, will know this because I'm an old school guy and I've been, I've been around longer than some of you. So how many of you remember the original Little Rascals? Not the remake or the movie, the old school Little Rascals. And Anybody remember Stymie? Little kid, you know, it was awesome. I remember this one time in an Our Gang episode, they were in this war with a rival gang. It was Our Gang versus the other kids across the, the fence. And they were throwing vegetables at each other, these cool launchers. And all of a sudden, across the fence, this giant artichoke comes flying across like a missile. Boom! Lands there. And, and he picks it up. So he goes, what is it? And the other kid goes, I don't know. It's an artichoke. And Stanley goes, well... It may choke Artie, but it ain't going to choke Stanley. He chunks it over the fence. So. But how many of you, like you said, you eat artichokes? Well, how many of you enjoy eating just steamed artichokes, take them out, dip them in butter? Okay. How many of you like them, um, like you like to just eat the, the heart of the artichoke in salads? Yeah, okay. So we're, my wife and I and Bryce, we, we like to eat the whole thing down, so steam them, and so you tear them off you know, leaf by leaf, and you've got to, it takes some work, because you've got to get down inside, because the best part of the artichoke is not all these leaves and all these things we're going through, it's those we tear through, we eat that, we eat that, you take that off, it's got some good stuff on it, so this isn't bad stuff, it's just not the best stuff, it's not terrible it's just not the core, because the core is where you want to get, because when you get down to the core, that beautiful piece, right, all the stuff right in here, 
This right here, that's the meat of the artichoke. That's what people that like just the artichoke hearts, that's what we go for. So we, we work hard to get down there. How many of you are lobster eaters? You know, cracking through the shell. You don't want to chew on the shell, but, well, maybe you do. I don't know. So an artichoke is that we're, we're trying to get all the stuff on the outside. And I, I love to study people. I just, I listen, I study, and I hear them. And it seems like everybody's dealing with the outside portion of the artichoke of their life, so to speak. They're all dealing with things that are good. They're not bad, but it's not the core. It's not that peace. The Bible says, know you the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's days I feel freer than others. I don't know about you. How many of you ever go to work and you don't feel free? Man, working for the man. So how many of you, how many of you go to school? <laughs> you don't feel free. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you kids get up and you, no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to go there. I'm stopping right there. So just to shed a little more light on this, just shed a little more light on this. I just want to, we just want to look at a quick, a quick clip here of one of the great philosophers of our time. Any of you that any of you that are married know that the greatest adventure of your life is your wife because she has layers and you discover her more and more every year as you go by. I'm 22 years, my wife and I've been married. We're headed towards 23. Um, in October. So there is layers. Life is full of, of layers. It, and if you look around, you think about this. How many jobs are all about digging through the layers to find the core? Looking for the, the center, the base. What is, what, is, what is it that makes this thing work? Scientists do it. Doctors. You know, doctors are looking, trying to look past the symptoms to find the core, what's going on. Engineers do this, philosophers, investigators, and all of us just regular sojourners that are on this voyage we call life. We're searching for the reason. We're looking for the purpose. And sometimes that's getting through all of this, the layers of the mundane, looking through life, trying to find through my work, through my family, through bad relationships, through good relationships, through education, through just trying to get through another day. I'm, I'm getting through these layers. What am I looking for? I'm looking for the core. 
The problem is, as I look at humanity and as I look in the mirror and look at myself, the problem is, overall, it seems like everyone is looking for the core, but we're all living on the edges. We're all looking for the center. We're all looking for the, the meaning. And the thing, as somebody said earlier in what we sing, it's all right in front of our face. We talk about it theologically all the time. We read about it in Scripture. We quote Scripture about it. We sing songs about it. And yet, I don't think we believe it enough for it to impact our lives. And so we live our lives on the edge. We live our lives peeling off layers after layer after layer, looking for the core. You know, maybe the problem is that we live on the edges because the price is too high to find the core. I know people that do not like to eat artichokes this way and do not like to eat lobster simply because it's too much work. Me, hey man, it's worth it. It's worth the journey, man. It's, I, enjoy, I, even, I even enjoy these parts. But it's like when you get to the center, if you're an artichoke eater and you eat the whole thing, when you get to there, it's like, oh, it's like the hallelujah chorus comes out. La, 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 and you're like, yes, I have made it. It's, it's, it's an accomplishment. It's like, it's like hiking. Uh, I know we have some 14 hikers here. You know, they're hiking 14ers. Isn't that an amazing moment when you reach the top? I, I hiked Pikes Peak, and I remember that, that, last, that last mile, because uh, I went to the front of the that last mile with all the switchbacks, it was a glorious moment to just get to the top. And then they have those wonderful donuts that they cook up there. It's like, man, I don't care about diet or nothing. I'm eating them now. You know, it's like, this is my reward. There's, there has to be something that we're getting to. Here's another thought, though. Is could it be that the core truth that we base our faith upon, that we base life upon, is so simple that even though we know it, we ignore it because we like living on the edges of our own design. Is it possible? I want to take a look at this, just as this is a base. I want to take, I want to take a look at this pursuit for the origin of truth, the baseline of life into our Christian faith. And I want to start, I want to start with this sentence. If we're going to talk about what is the origin, what is the base of our faith, I want to start with this sentence, and then I want, to, I want you to think about how you, would, how you would answer that sentence, and then I want to give you some answers that I've given, I've heard other people give, we give all the time in sermons and messages, and so the, the, this, the sentence is simple. the most important thing to remember in being a true Christian is, what is it? What is it? For some, it's this. The most important thing to remember in being a true Christian is you must be a worshiper. The most important thing is you must be a giver. You must be a husband or a wife. You must be a servant. You must be a good employee. You must be a good parent. You must be, uh, you must be a, a good, here I'll go there, to be a good Christian and a true Christian, you must be a good Democrat or a good Republican. Oh yeah, I went there. To be, to, be a good, to be a good Christian, think about the rest of this list. You need to be holy. To be a good Christian, you need to be forgiving. To be a good Christian, you need to be studious. To be a good Christian, you need to be prayerful. 
need to be generous. You need to be wise. You need to be frugal. To be a good Christian, you need to be taking care of the poor. To be a good Christian, you need to be involved in missions. To be a good Christian, you must be reaching the youth. To be a good Christian, you need to be more Jewish. To be a good Christian, you need to be more evangelistic. To be a good Christian, you need to be more prophetic. You need to be led by the Spirit. You need to be submitted to leadership. You need to be louder. To be a good Christian, you need to be quieter. To be a good Christian, you need to be passionate. To be a good Christian, you need to be more structured. Okay, let's just end it with this. To be a good Christian, you need to abstain from alcohol. Or to be a good Christian, you need to drink some more. Think about all those. And as I said those, some of those I know resonated down in your heart and your spirit. You had your own answers. And some of you, I even saw on your face, some of them, I said them, and you're like, yeah. You're saying, all right, stop me. Because it doesn't resonate inside of you. And some of these things on the list, being a good parent, being a servant, being a person that's generous, being a giver, taking care of the poor, these are great things and things that we should preach on, we should teach on, we should talk about. But my question is this. Is anything on the list I just gave the core? Is any of it the baseline of our faith? Any of it? Any of it? Do you know, I'm going to say this before we dive. We're going to dive into several scriptures here. Do you know the greatest obstacles we talked about this you know, just here at the beginning. The greatest obstacle to truth is not deception. The greatest obstacle to truth is pride. Simply because of this. Because we're too proud to admit we are wrong. We built our church and our faith on the leaves and on the edges rather than on the core. And we beat people up if they don't like our edges, if they don't embrace our leaf. I am a guy who loves music and worship. I, I'm passionate about it. Radical conversion, man. And I'm very, I love it. I love to worship. I love to listen to it. I love to sing. I love to dive in. I do lift my hands. I get, I get in worship no matter where it is, when it is, what, what's going on. I love it. But that is not the basis of our faith, and the core of our Christianity. I could beat you up because, hey, some people worship quietly. Some people worship loudly. Some people, and we could go from church to church, and there's some people raising their hands. There's other people kneeling. There's other people, you know, doing this number. <laughs> you know, we're up, down, we're up, down, we're up, down. You know? Does it... The point is, is that the core? It's not. So I want to look at several scriptures here. We're going to, we're going to look um, in just a second here. We're going to look in 1 John. In 1 John, most, most, most people that study Scripture believe that he, he never says in 1, 2, and 3 John, he never says who he is, who the writer is. But by the tone of the letter, and also there's no time. We don't know exactly when this, these, this series of letters was written. Most theologians do believe, though, it was John the Revelator. It was John the Apostle that was with Jesus. And there's very key things that are written in his introductions. There's very key things that he addresses 
within within first second third John that he addresses that has the same tone as the book of Revelation. You can know that generally we can be ninety percent sure that this was John the Apostle that wrote this. Now, none of us were there, so say it with hundred percent, but just the tone of it, he never he never you know says who he is, but we can say that. Why is that important? Well the important piece of this is the writer that wrote of having walked with Jesus, heard, listened, smelled, saw the kingdom of God being built right in front of him by God in the flesh. And so he internalized a lot of the things. And if you read the part of, of 1 John, he's dealing a lot of, with a lot of things, the Antichrist spirit. He's dealing, with, he's, dealing with, he's dealing with all these things. And then you come into 1 John chapter 4. And he begins to hit us with three key things that I think establish the base and the core of Christianity. And we all know what it is. We just don't embrace it. So let's look at the first scripture here. John 4, 7 through 8. It simply says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God. I don't know about you, but I've wrestled with that scripture before. My grandmother, who passed away, was not a person of faith, so to speak. She was one of the most loving people I'd ever met in my life. She loved people, but she had never quite made the connection. I believe she did towards at the very end of her life. But I've always wrestled with that because I don't know about you, and let's just talk openly today, but I have communities that people are talk a lot about faith, quote a lot of Scripture, do a lot of good things. That list I read earlier, they're, they're hitting the top ten on those things consistently, but there's a river or a flow of love coming out of their life. So it says, anyone who loves is a child of God, but anyone who does not for God is love. So, first thing established here. God is love. We all know it. We all talk about it. We all quote it. But here's the question. Do we believe it? First John hammers, in the, in the book of First John chapter 4, he's hammering love over and over and over again. He's already addressed some of the big issues. He's dre- addressed the Antichrist spirit. He's addressed, you know, the fact that there's, there, there's important. he's addressed some of the things it's interesting to read him because he writes in a totally different tone and language than the Apostle Paul does. Totally different. He hits some of the same things, same issues. It's interesting to read through First, Second, Third John and then read Revelation because there's some of the same things hit. But he establishes this as a basis. Listen, God is love. Let's just let's put it out there. So when we're talking to people and people searching for things in life. They're searching for meaning. They're looking for their place in this world. They're looking for God. What do we present them? This scripture is, if you, if you want to study this out even further, this is a strong agape love word here. And the phrasing throughout here is, this is a, there's strength to the word here. God is love. Let's look at the next one. John 4, 9-10, through 10, continuing on, says, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. 
This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away sins. So first off, John establishes that God is love. And then he establishes that God models love. Just rhetorical question here. What speaks louder in your life? Somebody's words or actions? A lot of people speak and say a lot of things, don't they? If I tell my kid, hey man, we're going to go out and we're going to do this. Believe me, if any of you know Josiah, Josiah is going to hold me to that even if I've forgotten about it. If I've forgotten about it and something else comes up, it doesn't matter. He is going to ask about that until it happens. So what really matters to my son that I tell him I'm going to take him here and do something with him, that doesn't really matter. That sets the stage. What really matters is if I actually do it. Now, many people in here are married. How many of you ever think back to your vows? I, I have. I've thought many times like, dang, man. Man, I promised and said I do to a lot of stuff, you know. Because my, my wife's father did the ceremony, and he made, he made sure he threw in a few things in there. He changed the ceremony, actually, that he changed the ceremony and said some things that he'd never said in any other, in any other one. He said that she had to, when the part about submit and love and submit, we got that, he said she had to submit to the Christ he sees within me. And then he looked at me, and he gave me this look as if, if she doesn't see Christ, she ain't got to do nothing. I mean, it was like, I, I got the message loud and clear of what he was saying. I, I got what he was saying. God models love. So here God says, okay, first off, John is establishing God is love. Okay? Then he says, God models love. We talk about this all the time, but here again, have we internalized it? We talk about what Christ did upon the cross and the fact that He did that. It's not just a great action. It's not just a good Easter story. It's not just something that, you know, helps make a great movie. It was an actual thing that took place, but it's the symbolism and the act behind it that God said, I love you, okay? And here we got, you know, almost 6,000 years, you know, five, five, 6,000 years for where we land in there in your eschatology, of years, and then God says, okay, now I'm going to speak it. I love you, boom, now I'm going to show you. I'm going to die upon the cross. I'm saying, my son, I'm dying upon the cross. God in the flesh, dying upon the cross. This is not a verbal. This is a, okay, now, now I've taken action. It's a, when, <laughs> I, I mean, my daughter is married to a wonderful guy now, Donovan. But in, in her growing up, and, you know, she'd be a little interested. Actually, I will tell you this. She had quite a reputation at her high school for shutting guys down. <laughs> I mean, they, she would like whoo, take them out. I mean, it, it, was, it was actually bad. I got, sometimes I got phone calls from mothers. <laughs> your, your daughter broke his heart. I was kidding. So they, uh, so, but as they began to come around and she'd be interested, I'd always try to ask her that question. And, and I tell Keaton this all the time because, you know, boys are already looking. I tell her, nobody loves you as much as your dad. Nobody. Zero. Let me ask you this. You enjoy your bed? Yeah? You like your room? Uh-huh. You enjoy this food? Okay. I bought that for you because I love you. How many of these Yahoo's have bought you anything? Okay. If they want to date you, tell them to come pay half the mortgage and we'll discuss it. 
to get on board here taking care of you, we're going to have them start signing on and putting a little skin in the game, so to speak, here. So, anyway, Donovan did a good job of that. He took me out. He bought me dinner. I had a two-hour discussion with him. <laughs> God is love. God models love. Let's look at the next one. 1 John four eleven through 12 Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God is in us. His love is brought to full expression in us. You ever wonder why you're here? God cannot express who He is without you. God is love. God modeled love. God commands us to love. God the whole time is wanting to say, he's like, he, we're, we're like, we're like speaking for Him and we're just connecting up more wire to it so that He can say, the more people that He can get to realize that He truly loves them and we walk in that, it's not something we say up here, but we walk in living in it, the more that His message gets out to all humanity. Hey, guess what? I love you. Let's look at this just... I want to read through this again and bring some things out. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. So again, it goes back to God never asked us to love Him first. He said, I am love. Here is what love is as He died for us, shed His blood, gave His last breath, gave everything He was for us. This is a definition of what love is. Now I'm asking you to go and love. What Colin was saying earlier, just in the transition, about this thing being so simple. I'm a guy that likes simple. I, I like simple. Give me three points. Tell me, you know, step here, there, there. I say that, but at the same time, I think we thrive on complicated. Think about it for a moment. We as humans... Have, we have had more advances in technology in the last than we did the, the hundred years prior to that. We've had more in the hundred years than the thousand years before. This advancement in technology, but there's not one dishwasher out there that has saved a marriage. It's helped mine. I enjoy it. Honey, I'll do the dish. Bam. Yay. My hero. <laughs> I like it. Computers. I like. I don't want to go in my backyard and do this number, you know. So believe me, I'm all about advances. I like them. I like my iPad. I like computers. I like the. I I enjoy all those things. But how many of that has actually advanced our soul toward? core of what life in existence is truly and really all about. No, what we've done again is we've taken a few leaves off the side. We've said, okay, this is the core and this is where I'm going to build, build my life. And so what we have is we have, an, we have people walking in an existence that are empty because they're full of technology. They're full of entertainment. And their soul is aching because they've never ever dug through come so here we are as Christians. 
Oh my God, did you get the latest worship CD? Here we go. We're going to take our leave. This is what Christianity is all about. This is it. We have arrived. Woo. We take out another one. We run around over here. Man, we're going on a trip. All about. It's, this is it. But listen, man, I love missions. We've talk, Dave and I have been talking about it, but we, I, I'm ready to go on another one. My, my younger daughter's wanting to go. I want her to go to Impact. But you know why I want her to go? Because when I went and I was in with God, watching somebody accept Jesus for the first time, I had a moment with God. I saw empty, dead eyes filled with light. It impacted me so much that I've ever been the same. But it wasn't Honduras that did that. It wasn't mission leader or the organization that did that. They still try to take credit. It was them. It was the light and the power of God and the love of the Creator that filled my soul in that moment for another human being that literally changed me in an instant. That was what changed me. Hey, I enjoy the missions. I enjoy the music. But we have made, we have turned churches into places where we worship worship. We worship speakers. We worship movements. And we forgot the depth of just following in love with God. Why? Because He loved us first. He is love. He loved us. And now He's commanded love. Move on. So, Let's move on to this next scripture in 1 John 4, 18-19, because this kind of sums it up. So those are, my, those are my three base points. What is the core? What is the beautiful center of the artichoke of life? It's simple. It is so simple. It is. God is love. That is it. If you want to complicate it, you want to add to it, you know, we, we say we want to worship Jesus, but we make people fall in, and Colin, we're hitting this head on God orchestrated this for that reason. We want to say, hey, come follow Jesus and all of this. Da, 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 da. Come pour out your heart to God and boom, 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 boom. We can never leave enough alone because we want, we want our leaf to be the center of attention. We want people to come to see and taste this. The Lord says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Not come and see and taste that the worship that the, this movement is good. or that, No, we've missed it. So check out. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. There's not very many people I, I meet today that aren't living with fear. The fear of failure. Fear of rejection. Fear of not making their mortgage Fear of Fear of, you know, a million different things. But look at this. The reason why I highlighted this is because this is the key to bring it all together. It says, if we are afraid, it is fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. If all we know about God is that Man, I better do it right. The lightning, ooh, the clouds are coming, man. The lightning bolt's coming down. If all we know about God is that, okay, if I, if I don't read my Bible on a mission trip, worship Jesus, uh, be a better parent, be a better person, uh, you know, take care of this. 
we got all these things that we're trying to do. If I don't do all that, then I'm going to be punished. And we have a perpetual mentality of trying to be on the right leaf at the right time instead of coming to the, to the very core, standing that it's His perfect love, then I misunderstand who He is. I just about did a fear jump right there. <laughs> that would have been fun. Let that settle in on you just for a moment. I think the majority of our problems and issues in the world, in general, and especially in Christianity and faith, is that we say we love God, we say we receive love, but we walk around, if we're afraid, it is a fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. I feel like we have not allowed ourselves to fully fall into the hands of a loving God. Finish it up. It says, we love each other because He loved us first. So those three points. God modeled love. God commanded love. And it's all wrapped up right here, though, that we must allow ourselves to fully experience His perfect love. I, I'm going to get a little... I'm just going to go outside the box here a little bit. In doing marriage counseling, my wife and I, in doing marriage counseling, we have found out there's... You know, there's a lot of people that have had many testimonies. She went through, you know, she went through some abuse when she was younger, and I meet, we meet a lot of people that they have a struggle with intimacy because of the abuse they've experienced in their life. And so, I see the same thing though in the Christian world though. People are struggling. Even people that are looking for God, and they want to come to God. They 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 know that there's out there. But they want to come. But their experience has not been, their experience is, hey man, I, you know, I know, yeah, I know all about God. He's, he's the one that wouldn't like doing. But they don't understand that He loves them completely as they are and will lead them out of it. Hey man, I came to God weeping and crying because I was a drug addict, because I was a workaholic living my life for nothing but myself and the next high. I lived that way. He arrested me. God was love. God showed me His love. Now I can't help but love Him. Love is the basis and center of life and faith. This is it. I mean, it's... There's, there's, no other, there's no more simple way to, to put it than that. Um, unconditional, God is the source of love. models love. God commands love. And listen to this. As, especially as Christians. Without love, we are nothing more than moralists. And what that means is, we have the leaf of morality. Now, do I believe in holiness? Absolutely. Do I believe in purity? Absolutely. But I also understand that if things don't stem from the right basis, they're false anyway. We have false humility. <laughs> we have false purity. We have, we have, we, you, with, when we become moralist, then we don't come from a center and a base of love. We come from a center and a base of judgmentalism because this is our leaf and we cut a little slip through it and this is what we see everybody through. And we don't even see them clearly, but we see them, and everything has to go through our lens, because if it doesn't, then it's just not right. 
And so we make all about our version of right and wrong, as we've talked a lot about here, and when it's really all about life and death. We, we've, we've, changed, we've changed the message at the very core. So, back to the, uh, back to the original question. And we're going to ask this question, and we're going to close up. One more scripture, and then we're going to close up. So my question is this, what is it? What is it that holds you back? What is it that holds us back from embracing the very core of all existence? You know, we, we've established this. What, what holds it all together? What holds this whole thing together? This whole thing is held together by love. Love, and God is love. This whole thing is held together by Him. Love of a Creator, a God, a sovereign being, whose motivating factor is not just to love, but whose very core is love. There's a big difference. He's not just a lover. His very core is love. It's His being. It's, it, it's who God is. And so when we embrace that and realize that, then we have to ask the question, what is it that, that holds us back? from the very core of all existence, love, the unconditional, unmerited, unearned, and yet freely given because God cannot refute, uh, refute who He is. God is love because He can't re- redefine who He is. God is love because He can't deny who and what He is because He is love. He can't refute it. He can't change it. We can try to redefine Him. We can put our tags on Him. We can, we can try to put our name upon it. But it, none of it matters because at the end, still the core of who God and it's the basis of our faith and our existence. So here's the question again. What is it that's holding you back? So let's close with the Scripture, and then we're just going to look at that question one more time. Romans 8, 38-39, one we quote all the time. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons. Neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in earth below. Indeed, nothing in all will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, Lord. Nothing can separate us from God's love. So, what is it that holds us back from the very core self? I think we all have to answer that question for ourselves. What is it that holds us back from not just talking about this and saying, yeah, I'm a believer, but I actually believe? We're not just saying, you know what, hey, I know that love is what it's all about, but actually embracing that to the point where it literally changes us from the inside out. And we're no longer worried about the appearance of religion. We're, not, we're no longer worried about, about the list and the layers and all that. We are worried about the two things that, that, God, that Jesus says in Matthew 22 when asked what is the greatest commandment of all and he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your might and to love your neighbor as yourself we bring it all he says all the law and the prophets are hinged upon these two commands we bring it all back and say okay if I don't get anything else right in life I am going to walk as a reflection of someone who is loved by God so that I can also love without my own lens. One of the greatest ways to walk in this Monday, guys, walk in saying, I'm going to walk in as somebody who's loved by God. Yeah, there's going to be stuff that's going to happen. Rob works for the same company I do. Yeah, we deal with some stuff. We 
deal with some issues. And there's days I just want to go home and take a shower. <laughs> I just want to wash it all away. And there's, there's days I just want to, you know, I, there's days, I'll be honest, I just want to go home. This is being recorded, so I just want to go home and drink beer. So I just want to <laughs> enjoy the love of God and His creation of wheat. So thank you, Jesus. I love you. But there's something that resonates in the depth of your heart when you realize nothing can separate us from that as love. But what is it that separates you from His love, from that depth? You know He loves you. You know it. You could say it. You could quote the scripture. Is it, is it broken relationships? Broken promises? Is it bad experiences? Is it a bad mom or dad? Is it disappointment? Is it disillusionment? Is it broken dreams? Is it broken heart? Is it depression? Is it loss of a loved one? You know, we allow so many things to hold us back and keep us living on the edges of life rather than swimming in the pool of God's love and basking in the core of the existence He created for us. God is love. He modeled it. God's commanded us to love. So the truth is simple. The truth is simple. Know ye the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth is simple. But do we believe it? The truth is simple, but let's be honest, to live it is complex. And so my cry tonight is that God would grant us the grace to embrace the simple. There is more power in embracing that simple truth than there is in coming up with another great program, than writing another great song, than coming out with another great outreach. Because... If those things are not birthed out of that simple base, they're not going to have the impact we desire anyway. When songs are birthed out of that place, like this song, Oh How He Loves You, I love that song because that that song was birthed and it has the tinge of that. The first time I heard it, I was like, a psalmist birthed this out of a love relationship with God. It has that tinge upon it. Amazing grace came forth from a broken man. Why is that such a great song? Why? Because the love of God is so communicated through it that it, it, it hits those heartstrings inside of us. It's not just great music, great song. It is something deeper. There's a tinge of the Father's love upon it that strikes a chord in our hearts. So let me close with this, and we're just going to end in prayer. The greatest hindrance to us walking, the greatest hindrance to us walking in the fullness of the life God has granted us as a gift is simply not believing that God loves us. Stand with me tonight. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I know it's a, we're changing that concept. But. And I just want to pray. I just want to close in prayer tonight. And as always, man, if, if when we're done here, if you've got some things you're wrestling with and you need prayer, man, we've got... There are so many people here willing to pray with you, stand with you, help you go, go through whatever life you're in. Because even in knowing that God is love with us, He's for us, He's never been against us. Think about that. The Bible says in Romans, it says, while we were still yet... It doesn't say while He was our enemy. It says while we were... God stands on the other side 
We were his enemies because we were in our own sin and our own devices and creating our own edges. His core and, the, and who he is and what he's calling us to has always been the same and it stays steadfast. It never changes. Lord God, tonight, I just pray for all here tonight. Lord, let, let the words of your scripture that we read tonight reverberate down in their hearts. Holy Spirit, come and breathe on that. God, let the message that you are love, you model love, and you command us to love reverberate in our hearts. Let the message that you love us unconditionally and you love us whatever state we're in. You love us. And it's that love that draws us to a greater place of loving others. God, I pray right now that by your grace that you would just wash away those hindrances tonight. Lord, tonight, right here in this room, there are hindrances of rejection. Lord, there are those in this room that have been rejected so many times. They know that you love them, but they can't allow it to affect or impact their heart because they can no longer feel like they can even trust you. God, now I speak to that hindrance. Call it to fall. Lord, there are those in this room, Lord, right here tonight, that have been so brokenhearted, their dreams have been smashed against the rocks in such a big way that they anymore. God, I'm asking you by your Spirit to remove the hindrances so that we can walk in a knowing state that we are loved by the Creator of the universe. And no matter what's going on around us, the ugly things falling apart, we stand in this state of peace in the midst of storm, of sustenance in the midst of the desert. Father God, in a place of peace in the midst of persecution and misunderstanding. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because perfect love casts out all fear. God, we thank you for that tonight. Lord, let your perfect love do its work in our lives, in our hearts. And Lord, let us walk as those who are loved by the Father and by our Creator tonight. Let us walk to our jobs, our families, grocery stores, neighborhoods, Let us walk as imperfect people that stumble and fall, that make mistakes, but that get back up because we know the most important thing at the core of our heart, we have built our lives upon the love of the Creator and the love of God. Lord, let it be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.